Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. Uh, I am joined today by two folks from Talos Outreach, Jason Schultz and Guillermo. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, John, for having us. Uh, so both of you I've, I've had on the show at different times to talk about a few different topics, but I kind of wanted to come together this week because you guys have both over the past two, three years have looked into various research around top-level domains, URLs, and DNS addresses. Uh, and I kind of wanted to come together so that we could kind of tie these things together because at the end of the day, it's how most people interact with the internet by going up to their bars in their browser, typing in a web address, and then assuming it's going to take them to the right place and someplace that's not going to give them malware. So Guillermo, first up, you had a blog post that came out a couple of weeks ago discussing the the dangers of two new top-level domains that were released. And for somebody who doesn't know, like a TLD is like the .com, .gov, .org that goes at the end of web addresses. And specifically, you focused on the dangers of .zip being an issue, like somebody could register myphotos.zip as a domain now. So can you kind of start out by recapping that post on the matter and what specific things you think that users should be concerned about regarding these new TLDs? Yeah, John, of course. So when Google announced that they were selling domains under these new TLDs, they actually had like nine or, or 10 new TLDs. People in information security looked at them with some concern. Uh, that these domains could be used for malicious purposes, right? The main problem discussed at the time was the potential for using the .zip domain, which is uh, a new domain that they made available, in phishing attack. Because now we could have these domains looking similar to file names, uh, like the one that you mentioned, myzip. Uh, myphotos.zip, for example, and making it more difficult for people to figure out what is suspicious or not. So they could look at something and don't know if they're looking at the file name or going to a specific domain that is malicious, right? But uh, the other thing that I discussed in my blog, besides the, the fact that this the .zip is, has potentials to be used in, in direct attacks or like phishing attacks, is the potential for these domains to leak information from your company. So now that some applications are treating some file names as URLs too, for example, a chat application, when you mention a file name on a chat, the chat application automatically changes this file name to a URL. And that fact triggers a DNS request for that file name. So now you have situations like, for example, you mentioned to your boss, hey boss, here is the, the new product that we're developing, some product.zip. The chat application automatically transforms this in a URL and generates a DNS request that will go to some DNS server and query this, this file name, right? So this information is now leaking from your company, is leaving your company third-party DNS server, and they could see this file being mentioned there. When we looked at our umbrella telemetry to search for these new zip domains, we saw a lot of file names that uh, contain a lot of confidential information like business relationships, personal information from users that were being queried. As soon as the domain became available, they were being queried against these DNS servers and leaking this information. So that's the main problem that we discussed in the blog. Yeah, and then I think it's interesting that Google recently spun off their TLD service, like pretty much right after 
the dot zip uh, and I dot mov right was that the other one that ca- yes. came available and then they sold it to a different company. So I'm just curious, do you guys think that that potentially poses any new problems or or wrinkles that we hadn't considered before? I think that the the main concern people have about this move is that people in general trust Google, right? They trust that Google will do the, the right thing and they, they were expecting Google to handle any misuse of these domains. And now that these domains are under the control of a third party, they don't know what will, what's going to happen, right? If this company is responsive, if they will handle these cases or not. Yeah, we've actually done research in the past. You know, Google is a large company and they do tend to behave ethically regarding online activities such as domain registration. But, you know, several years ago, we were analyzing the .cm TLD, which .cm belongs to Cameroon. But it's also a really popular typo squatting destination because when people forget the O and .com, they end up at .cm. Well, we found out that one of the executives at the company that was in charge of the .cm TLD was himself registering a bunch of different typo squat domains of some of the most popular .com domains. So you can't always trust that some of these third-party companies are going to behave in the same ethical manner that, that in the same ethical manner that Google might. Yeah. So, Jason, going back to that, typo, typo squatted domains are something that you've written about for a long time now. And as always, uh, I, I say this in every episode, but I'm going to be linking to all the important blog posts about this in the show notes, so folks can read more down there if they're interested. But you've written about this for a long time, and Talos has in, in general uh, as kind of an easy way to fool users into visiting malicious sites. So for somebody who may not know, how does kind of a typo squatted domain work in actors' favors? Right. So typo squats, obviously, you're you're trying to fool users into thinking that they're actually at a different location than where they really are. So you might, for example, in the case I was just referring to .cm, you might have a popular domain name like cisco.com and you mistype it and type in cisco.cm and end up in a completely different place. Now, these name collisions have been around for a long time and we see typo squats at all different levels. We see them at the second level registrations. So you might see something like ebay.com, but you're missing you know, one of the letters or there's a dash between the E and the B. Uh, So people try all different manners of tricks in order to fool people into thinking that they're actually at the correct location. In the beginning of the internet, there was really only a handful of top-level domains. So we didn't really have the same opportunities for confusing users that we do now with the hundreds of different TLDs. You know, before the namespace collisions that we were dealing with had to do with things like people using internal networks that were named dot mail or dot company and so they weren't wanting to register those as as full tlds but now you have the situation where you know you're actually getting collisions with not just names that people might have been using internally to name their networks but you have collisions on file name extensions like dot zip and dot mov which is kind of a, a whole new level of confusion that can be introduced Yeah, and then one of the other aspects of this that I wanted to touch on is DNS manipulation. Because like I said at the beginning of the show, because DNS addresses kind of play into our inherent trust in the internet and how the vast majority of people interact with the internet with their web browsers. So what is, for somebody who may not know, 
what is the difference between a DNS address and like the URL, like Cisco.com that you actually type in? And then Jason, what, what has kind of been your work or research into how folks can manipulate DNS addresses? So the difference between a URL and a, and a DNS name, a URL is a pointer to a specific resource on the internet. It's going to include something like a protocol. Maybe it's going to be web. Uh, maybe it's going to be email. Maybe it's going to be something completely different. Uh, but then it's also going to have a location. That location can be specified using a domain name. It could also be a specific address of a server somewhere. And then in the be- end of the URL, you might actually have a path. Like at that location, here is where at that location you might find that resource. So a URL is a pointer to a specific resource online. Whereas a domain name, that is actually the location of multiple resources, right? A domain name is actually something that is a friendly way for you to remember an address on the internet. So instead of having to remember a complicated IP address, you can remember something like uh, cisco.com. And when you type that in, it's automatically going to take you to the correct location. Now, the the reason why people might get these confused is because a lot of times when you're in your web browser, you're doing things like typing in a domain name. Now, what that's doing is it's actually creating a request to go to a URL a web request. So you're requesting a web page at that domain, and you're going to actually go to that web server and see what they have to offer. So they are somewhat related, and I realize that it can be confusing, but a URL is much more specific most of the time than just a domain name. Now, as far as how domain names can be used to introduce confusion, well, you know, there's all different types of domain names that are out there now, you even have internationalized domain names. And so, you know, if you start looking at the set of internationalized characters, sometimes there's characters in other languages that look very similar to characters that we use in English language. For example, there might be letters that look identical to the letter A or the letter E. And in the internationalized alphabet, you can actually include those in your domain name. And when you put those into your web browser, it's going to render those and it's going to look almost identical to the actual real name that you wanted to go to. So it can be very, very confusing. So are there any other ways that attackers can manipulate TLDs or URLs that we haven't covered already in the episode? And then the other thing that I want to ask about is just like any other common red flags that people might want to look out for if you were just like, quote unquote, the average user, is there any good ways to to say like, oh, I don't actually think that this site is going to take me to where I want to go or is bad news for one reason or another? There was one attack that was discussed uh, after the zip domains became available. And it goes back to what Jason was mentioning now, which is the use of these uh, Unicode characters in domain names to convince the, the, the user that they are going to a specific website when, in fact, they are not. But not uh, replacing the letters with similar letters, but uh, using char- characters like the forward slash, for example. There is a Unicode character that looks like a forward slash, but it's not. And this Unicode character can be used in a domain name. So you can have something like github.com or cisco.com slash somefile.zip, but this forward slash is actually a character in the domain name. 
It's not the separator that is used in, in a regular URL, right? And when you look at the URL, it looks exactly like uh, cisco.com slash uh, a file name, but it's actually uh, going to some other website where com slash file name is the domain name part of the, the URL. So that's uh, one way of manipulating this, these names using special characters that, that was being used to, to generate phishing URLs and things like that. I would say that you know one of the best pieces of advice that I have for people, and it continues to be good advice, is if you are presented with a link and you're unsure, then don't click the link. Go to your web browser and actually type in the address that you're interested in going to because you won't be able to be falling for some of these, you know, silly tricks that sometimes these attackers try to pull where they use, you know, uh, IDN domain names or, you know, special Unicode characters to try to fool you. That won't be possible if you're typing in the address that you want to go to yourself. So I always encourage people, you know, don't use the link that's being offered to you. If you're not quite sure, go ahead and type in the address yourself and go there and navigate independently of the link. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on this week to talk to me about your your work. I think this was super informative for me, and I hope it is for a lot of people as well. I just appreciate it as always, guys. Thank you, John. Thank you.